Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, I do want to welcome you back to this series that we are really enjoying and we're applying to our personal lives as well as celebrating together what God's doing among us. This series is entitled DNA, where if you're new, we're talking about building blocks things that can be incorporated into your personal life, into your family, into your relationships. And we're talking about those building blocks to greatness. Everybody has a desire to do great things. Just a lot of times no one's given them the building blocks and the equipment to be able to to do that. And so I'm sharing with you some things that I found valuable in my own journey with God and things we've incorporated into our spiritual family here. And so we're borrowing the metaphor from the biological concept of our DNA, which is a genetic code that is, is miles and miles long, really. It's hard to understand. It's hidden in there. So every week we're taking a deeper look. And so we're going to take a deeper look uh, today as well. <clears throat> and so um, I, in fact, think about DNA uh, it just keeps replicating no matter how old you are. I had a birthday this week, and uh, so I was doing a little reflecting. How many of you know as you get older, you reflect a little bit on your birthday? You're like, okay, where am I at? How am I doing? Well, man, 50's looking close. It's coming real fast, you know? Some of you, you're like, I'd love to be 50. But anyway, uh, but it's, it's amazing. So I, I've been sort of looking back this week. In fact, I went to lunch with my son he invited me to lunch on my birthday. You never want to turn that down. So he and I were having lunch. He said, Dad, what are you going to do for your birthday? And I just, I thought, man, I may just do something crazy. I don't know. I may just, I don't know, go, I'm midlife, you know. Maybe I'll go buy a sports car, you know, and just uh, unbutton a couple buttons, you know, or something, get a gold medallion. I mean, son, you know, I'm considering hair implants, maybe some kind of cosmetic surgery or something. He said, Dad, don't do it. Don't do it, Dad, you know. So I don't know, maybe that's something tainted in my DNA. But anyway, we are talking about, again, something deeper, the spiritual components, some things gleaned from the Word of God that I believe can be valuable to you. Last week we talked about that we're more than servants. We serve and we are servants because Jesus modeled that, but we serve as sons and daughters of the King. We're a part of His family. And so I always love showing you practically how we're living this out. And uh, this week I had a chance to be with our next interns, had such an awesome time with them. I think we have a picture here I want to show you. Just a great, fantastic group of people. Yeah, give them a round of applause. They're at all walks of life and they're taking time to develop what God's called them to do. Some are marketplace people and some are investigating what it means to serve God in different ways, different ages. And so they had a list of questions for me. They all put together their real hard questions. I don't think I got all of them right, but I just enjoyed spending two hours with them answering questions about everything from theological questions to leadership questions to church questions to parenting questions. And so we had an awesome time. I just always love showing you that these are not just values and DNA statements, but they are actual things we're living on a day-to-day -day basis. And so if you see some of these guys around 
here, they're serving you or helping you or whatever. Give them an attaboy or add a girl, I guess, and just say, hey, thank you for what you're doing and thank you for taking a next step to be able to investigate who God has called you to be. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, we're in the New Testament, and I'm going to look there at a few verses there in chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, and we're going to look at this week's DNA statement, a very powerful DNA statement that can affect your every minute, your every second, your every day, your every week. It's something that you can absolutely incorporate into your life, and it's something that we also live and celebrate together. This week's DNA statement number six is the presence of God is irresistible in our lives. I didn't say just the presence of principles. I didn't say the presence of religion, the presence of some kind of nebulous spirituality. I said the presence of God is irresistible in our lives. So we're going to dig into, do you know how to access that? You're like, Jeff, the presence of God. I mean, are, are, what are we talking about here? You probably come from multiple different backgrounds as to what that means. The presence of God. I mean, you maybe have just some big spiritual, ethereal idea that you're like, I don't even know how to get a hold of that. I don't even know what that would look like, Jeff. If it's irresistible, like, how do I even make that something practical? And I realize a lot of you, maybe this is the first time you've been in a church where uh, there's an atmosphere like this. And I'm not only talking just about corporate worship. We're going to hit that a little bit today because it's a very tangible area. But this may be new for you. And I remember when I was a young pastor and um, I, I had quite a journey, I'll share with you some of it, but I had a, quite a journey in, in really understanding how to access the presence of God. I grew up with great principles, with, with great practical understanding of walking with God, but I, I didn't know so much about how to, to really relationally bring him into my life and to really connect with him on a relational basis and to understand the power that's in his his presence. And so I began to learn some things about that. And the first church that I pastored, I was really in a journey. And, and so I began to, to, to do things to try to bring everybody into what I was experiencing. It wasn't quite so popular 20 plus years ago to do what we just did or to talk about the presence of God or the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'll never forget, I'm a young 21-year-old pastor, man, and I get up there and I just preach on the presence of God and how God's power is real and God's still doing today what he did back then. And man, I, I just, back then too, I was just, I wasn't near as polished, you know. It was like about Jesus in about an hour, man, and I was just sweating and panthering around preaching and I came off the platform. And this lady, some of you are old enough to know the Saturday night skit, I, I think, Saturday night live skit, I, I think she, she might have been the church lady, I don't know. But she was at least kin to her probably, maybe her sister. And she came up to me and man, she was stirred up, you know, because she had a lot of principles, but no one taught her a lot about the presence, God bless her heart. Boy, she just, she didn't know a lot about the presence. And she thought I was like trying to go off into some crazy weirdness that she had seen on TV or something. I don't know. But man, there was a lot of religious ideas in her mind. And she came marching up to me and she looked at me and she said, 
you're one of those charismatics, aren't you? This really happened. I'm not making this up. I'm a 21-year-old pastor. Now, one thing you need to know about me, I learn from even people that have different ideas than me. So you just know this. I've learned, to, I, I, I was like, wow, I want a dialogue. Now, but, but I will poke you a little bit. I, I'm being transparent, okay? I kind of, you know, kind of poked the lion, you know? I just kind of just said, what does that mean exactly? Charismatic. By the way, it means, comes from the Greek word charismata, just means grace gifts. If you mean, if you believe Jesus is graciously giving us gifts today to be empowered, then I don't, I don't know what the term means to everyone else, but that's what the biblical term. So I just wanted to see if she knew that. So I just said, what do you mean? And she said, you know what I mean. I saw a lot of you doing that. You're a bunch of charismatics, man. Y'all, you need to get help. So, so, so what I'm saying is when I say the presence of the Lord, the presence of God, the power of God active in our lives, the fact is we have all kinds of ideas about that. We have all kinds of barriers related to that. But the truth is every single person needs that in their lives. Every person, what, what you're really searching for is the presence of God. Unfortunately, we leave it to the side in our lives. We leave him to the side. We leave the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to the side. What I've found in my own life, if I'm transparent, sometimes I can get busy with my own stuff and my own plans. And it's usually when I'm in a moment of great need when I get desperate for it. But what I found is I used to pray, God bless my year, then I started praying, God bless my month, and then I started praying, God bless my week, and then God bless my day, and you get enough problems, you start praying, God, I need you like right now. I need you to bless my right now, because in my own life, I'm going to tell you, it's just like you, I need his presence on a consistent basis. I'm like you, I wake up in the morning, there's lies, there's pressures, there's problems, there's things I'm concerned about in my own world. I'm a dad, I'm a parent, I'm a husband, and yes, I'm even a pastor. This week I get a call from someone who I deeply love who's struggling with a two and a half year old child with a severe lung challenge. They thought he had cystic fibrosis and now they found he has a rare disease. And so I'm praying for them on the, and say, pastor, you know, you're trained for that, aren't you? Like, you know, all the right words. Trust me in that moment, words fail, words fail. What I'm really thinking behind the scenes is I'm praying for him and his child and his precious wife is I'm praying, God, I need your presence because it's what you'll say to them. It's what you're going to say to comfort them, not what I'm going to say. And so in our lives, practically, we need this for encouragement. We need this to help others. We need this in our lives. But a lot of us, we're trying to figure out how to make it a part of our everyday lives. Over in 1 Thessalonians, we see toward the end of the Bible, the playing out of this on a macro scale in the life of a local church. So, so we know that the entire Bible reveals to us, don't get trapped in your background, don't get trapped in all of your thought, don't get trapped too much in all of these things that are holding you back from engaging with the presence of God because it's from the very beginning pages. The very first human beings, Adam, he walked with God in his presence in the cool of the day. Then there was a breakdown, and, but God kept revealing himself 
See, the question is not, does God want to speak to you? Does God want to reveal himself? Does the presence and power of the Holy Spirit want to come into your real world and it be real and tangible? The question is not, does he want to? The question is, are you ready to receive that? Are you open to that? And so all the way through the pages of the Old Testament, he comes and appears to Abraham and he comes and speaks to Moses and we've got the prophets. I was thinking about one this week, Isaiah, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. What an incredible picture. I saw him. I experienced him. Then there's a period of silence at the end of the Old Testament, and Jesus comes to make the presence of God real in our lives. He comes and lives among us, and he comes and dwells with us. And even in John 14, it says something radical and crazy when he's talking to his disciples. He's preparing them right there in those moments in John. I'm about to leave. Better that I do because I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to walk with you, to speak to you, to be your guide. And he says to them, I'm going to come and I'm going to make my home in people. I'm going to show up and make my home in the lives of everyday people. This is more than an ideology. This is more than an intellectual assent to some good principles that we can make our lives better. This is more than trying to do better. This is him making his presence and home available in our lives. And so he, again, dies on the cross, raises from the dead, and makes it possible for you and I to experience the presence of God. Why do we celebrate Jesus? He made it possible for the presence of God to come into our lives. If we accept him, if we give ourselves to him, he takes up residence in us. He told those disciples, though, I want you to go and wait for power, for the power of the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. Again, these words, people say, pastor, preaching on Pentecost. Here's what it means. 50 days after Easter. That's what Pentecost means. I'm scared, are you? 50 days, that's what it means. But it's the day in which the Holy Spirit comes and is poured out on all flesh, on humanity, And then you read the book of Acts, there's this dynamic relationship with God through the person of the Holy Spirit showing up in there every day, showing up in there every problem, showing up in every situation. Lives are being changed. People are being saved. And you see that happen all the way through these churches. And I love this particular one in Thessalonica because, again, I'm painting to you a macro picture That if you bring this into your world, the impact, remember DNA is replicatable. It spreads into your home, into your kids. Can I tell you this? Your children, the greatest thing you offer them is teaching them how to be in the presence of God. Teaching them how to hear the voice of God. I'm raising teenagers. When they drive off, that's all you have. That's all, the control's over. The principles, thank God, hopefully you put them in there. But it's the presence of God and we see that played out in a multiplied way in this church, and I want you to see the power of it, because our gospel came to you not simply with words. You say, Jeff, are you minimizing the words that were given? No, this word will judge us in eternity, and the words of this book are inspired, breathed by the Holy Spirit. And this is a proclamation message. The words need to be spoken. You're like, well, I'm just loving my friend. Well, love them until there's an open door, but at some point, you got to use words. Some point, you got to talk to them. 
I remember leading a good friend to Christ a few years ago, and I said, I'm risking our whole relationship right now because what I'm about to say to you could cause you to reject me. But I'd loved him long enough to tell him the words. But it's not simply words. In our culture today, it's like if they just knew the right information, my kids would act better. No, they know some of the right information. It's a heart issue. Words are not enough. We talk, 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 talk. Words, 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 words. Preach, preach, preach. There's people that have sat under preach, 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 preach and never change. Because it's not simply with words, though words are important. Look at that. But also but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Did you see how they received the message? Words and power. Words and the power of the Holy Spirit. Words and the presence of God. You know how we lived among you for your sake? You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy. How do you have, have great joy in the midst of severe suffering? Look at this. It was given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. This model, this recipe of words and power, word and power, word and presence, this model, this, this model Look what he said, you became a model to all the believers and the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. I had a guy stop me this week and he said, you guys have a great youth program. And I, and I was just talking with him about it and I had to help him understand. It's not a program. It's called the Word and the presence of God. They're not showing up for pizza and programs. They're showing up for the word of God in the midst of the people of God with the presence of God. There were 1,149 teenagers in this auditorium Wednesday night, and let me tell you, they're here not simply with words. And I'm not talking about, that's not just a big gig. There was 1,000 last week. This is every day Wednesday. God moving among young people because it's not simply just words, it's presence and power as well. Look what it said, and it's ringing out from you, not only in Macedonia and Chaos, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't need to say anything about it. You don't need a marketing strategy. You don't even need Facebook. Everybody's talking about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us, and they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so I'm speaking to you about, look, this model we see there and a model that became part of my own life, a model that I think can affect your everyday life, not just a crowd of kids on Wednesday night, not just a church, but your everyday life. And in my own life, it's been quite a journey, I have to tell you. I thank God for my pastor growing up. I thank God for the atmosphere where I learned the principles. I had an opportunity to honor him and perform his funeral a few years ago. And I thank God for that. I'm not being disrespectful. But theologically, in some other ways, there became this viewpoint that there was a time in which God did some things, but he's not doing it now. So therefore, the environment I grew up in had a lot of words, but not a lot of power. 
And so I just submit to you, do you think if a people that come together who believe that everything we see in this word can still happen today and the power and presence of God is available today when they show up, if they believe that, do you think they come different? They do. I grew up in an atmosphere where we only did that every now and then. We called it a revival. When there was a revival, we could kind of, you know, get loose and clap. We might get loose at a revival. The preacher might be a little extroverted at the revival. I remember as a young kid thinking, why don't we do this every week? Why, don't, why, why can't we do this every single week? I, I went to Baylor University, God's holy place. If the Aggies would have lost to you, la la, it would have been on today. But anyway, <laughs> right off of campus, there was a meeting, Louis Giglio, who now leads the Passion Conference, was at 7th and James Baptist Church, and I was just a young guy there at Baylor, and my friends took me, and we walked in there, and what, 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 some of what's happening today, which is a lot more common, was very, very different back then. It wasn't about the music style. No one here that I'm criticizing music styles or worship styles, I'm talking about an atmosphere. There was openness. There was, there was, God, we want to meet with you. God, we want your presence. We want to, we're here, fresh, ready. I walked in there, man, it was radical. It was crazy. And, and, and I remember how God started shaping me and God started changing me even in that beginning phase. And then along the way, even as we started Milestone Church, you need to know this. We, we didn't start with a desire to be cool or cute. People look today and say, what's happening? Do they have a good method? Is it just they, they have a lot better information? It's the presence of God. It's the openness to the power and presence of God. So from day one, when we just had a little kid's drum set in a Holiday Inn, we said, God, when we come together, we, we, we love reaching people and we're going to be reaching out to people and loving people and we want to be considerate of people because Jesus was considerate of people, but... Our, our chief goal, too, though, is that we don't want to forget God. We don't, want, we don't want to show up and be real friendly with no power. Some people say that all the time. Well, y'all are just friendly and your people are excited. No, 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 that's the presence of God motivating people to relate that way. That, that's what it is. You can't extract that from the recipe. And I know a lot of people come and go, man, I don't know. This is a little uncomfortable, but I like it. But I like what they're doing. Look. You may be eating from the apple pie. That's in the recipe. That's in the recipe. So you say, Pastor, we need to unpack this a little bit. Can you help me understand it? Because this is a little new for me. Well, we've done that every week. Let's take a little deeper look. Let's take a look and understand the distinctive. What am I saying? Because you're like, well, if God makes his home in you at the point of salvation, then why do we need to have this kind of pursuit of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why would we want to do that? Because I thought, you know, I kind of got it one and done. Well, the Bible says, in fact, that God is omnipresent. So you're like the presence of God. I thought God was everywhere. Well, he is everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. If, if there's anywhere he's not, then he's not God. David said, when I go down to this place, you're there. When I go up, you're there. Wherever I go, I can't flee from your presence. But Jesus starts making a distinction with his disciples to say there's this dimension of his presence and power. John 14, 21, look at this, very powerful. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Do we keep the commandments of God to, ex to be saved, to come to Christ, to go to heaven? No. He says this, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. 
He's not just talking about salvation here. He's talking about as you walk with God, as you pursue God, and yes, even as you say, God, here I am, and whatever you want to say to me, and you obey God, and you walk with Him, he says there's a manifestation of His presence. What am I saying? His omnipresence and His manifested presence. His manifested presence in our lives. I'm talking about in real life, in real time. Not just he's like in there, you know, I'm saved. No, he's, he's moving. He's manifesting. Some translations say reveal or show himself. Showing himself in our lives. And so some of you say, wait a minute now. You keep talking about sort of, Jeff, this progressive thing. Now, God's not changing, but he's changing us by progressively moving in our lives. And so you say, okay, wait a minute. If I'm going to be open to this, I understand there's barriers. Some of you grew up in more principle-only centered environments. You, you grew up in environments where you watch and you, you intellectually and cerebrally try to understand. Well, look, here's some of the barriers. Number one, there's a cultural barrier. There's a cultural dynamic in our world, and in specifically our location in Dallas-Fort Worth, achievers, educated. I don't believe you have to get a lobotomy to be in the presence of God. Did you know there was a reasoning? Paul did, he reasoned with these people at the Areopagus. So there's a, a worshiping God with our minds. But I do want you to understand this. We have some intellectual barriers. This Bible is a pre-modern book. It's much more Eastern than it is Western. I don't know if you've read it. Crazy stuff in here. It's much more Eastern. It's much, much more experiential than it is Stoic. And, and, and many of us, we grew up in those environments, so when you start saying, hey, God wants to manifest himself, it's like culturally we have challenges with that because we don't feel in control. Sociologists are saying today we're living in more of a postmodern world. Why are young people wanting the presence of God? Because they've abandoned modern type concepts culturally. And by the way, stoic, intellectual, I'll just kind of keep myself closed off and lack of experiential, that's a small percentage of the world and it's a small percentage of church history. What we are is a very slim part of the way people have worshipped God for centuries. Just saying, well, I just, just give me the information, I'll figure it out. Don't, don't get too close now here. That's, that's a small percentage. But that's a cultural barrier we have. Second of all, we have theological barriers. I shared with you, there are, there's teachings of dispensations and eras that have moved the Holy Spirit out. And so a lot of us, again, we have a theological perspective that keeps God in a certain box. And so we box God into a certain scenario. Let me just tell you, I, I want to be theologically sound, biblically accurate, but as I read this Bible, God gets more out of the box than he does in the box. He gets more out of the box than he does in the box. So theologically, there's some barriers. And the final one is there's some heritage barriers. I'm sharing with you my heritage. I'm meeting so many of you. You're coming from different backgrounds. I met a lady at 101, and she said, she said to me, being very transparent, she said, I want to get water baptized, but I grew up Catholic. And so, you know, here, we put you under till you bubble and come up saying, tithe and together we build. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we dunk you twice, you know? I mean, did boom, boom. You know, and she grew up, it's fine. There's heritages where, you know, a little dabble do you, it's fine. I mean, so... 
she's, she's working through that. And man, we had such a great conversation. And you know what her main fear? She had heard the teaching on it. She had seen people experience it. And she believes, again, not that it saves her, but she's like, I want to, if you love me, obey me, I'll manifest myself to you. I'm walking with you, Jesus. So if Jesus modeled it in obedience, then I want to do what Jesus did. And so her heart is pure. Her heart is biblical. Her hang-up is her heritage. And here's what she feels. If I get water baptized, I'm disrespecting my parents and grandparents. I'm being disrespectful. Some of you, you don't have a Catholic heritage. You have a Baptist heritage. Three hymns and praise God, let's beat the Methodists down to the, the place of lunch that we eat or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So you come in here and it's like, ooh, 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 you know. My wife took me to a church like this. She, we walked out. We were dating at the time. I walked out. She went to lunch. She said, what did you think? I said, those people need counseling. <laughs> and so you come into it, and what are you doing? I, I remember when I went to the first meeting on Baylor campus, I thought, is God going to strike us? Now, I didn't know those verses in the Bible that it says, I would that men everywhere lift up holy hands and worship God. I didn't know David, who taught us to be in the presence of God and wrote psalms and songs, said, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. My heritage was holding me down. And here's what I felt even when I learned the verses. Well, it may be in the Bible, but I'm still not doing it. I don't know about all that. And you know what I was feeling? If I participate with God in a new, yes, biblical way, I'm saying that that wasn't sufficient or good because I'm an honor-based person and so I don't want to dishonor my pastor. I don't want to dishonor my family. But you know, there's an honorable way to say, you know what, I'm not going to let that stop me from continuing to walk with God. You say, Jeff, I need to make it more real. How do we apply it personally? Because you got to assess, okay, where are you? I'm telling you about where I've been. And my home is a totally different atmosphere with worship, with the presence of God, with the power of God. Where I am today is different than where I was. And I'm continuing to move from faith to faith and glory to glory and experience his presence and I'm growing just like all of you. But you need to assess where are you? And I wanna help you do that for a minute, okay? We're not just giving pragmatic solutions, we're talking about where is my heart and where is my surrender level to the presence of God? I want to give you some of those. How are you interacting with the presence of God? First of all, some of you are opposed and others of you are open. There's a guy recently who's been coming here. He's, a, he's an atheist. He met with one of our leaders, talked about it, said, I'm an atheist. I like the atmosphere. I don't believe in God. And you know what? We've had lots of atheists come to Milestone Church. If you're a person who doesn't believe in God, as long as you play well with others, you're welcome here. No reason to be rude or dog. I mean, but if you, if you just, if you want to come, look, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. What a better place to be to come to investigate it. Because if it's not real, you won't have anything to worry about. But if Jesus is real, then he may touch your life. You may experience him. And I know this from witnessing to people that are atheists for years. We can talk about the principles, but I'll never bring enough principles to change your perspective. It's going to be the power and presence of God touching your heart. Last night I had a man who came up and said, I was an atheist and I was just like that and I hit a place of desperation where I recognized my frailty and I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. So this is a place even when you're opposed because God even lets the opposed come. But some of you I would just recommend not living in a place of opposed 
but in a place of openness. Here I am, God, openness. You say, Jeff, what do you mean by that? Yes, God is sovereign, but over and over in the Bible, we're encouraged, ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. God, here I am. Yes, I'm going to discern your, your scriptures. I'm going to discern. I'm going to test the spirits. I'm, yes, okay, but I'm not going to be so analytical that I'm frozen by experiencing you. God, I'm open. I'm open to what you're doing in my generation. Are you opposed or are you open? Here's the second one. Are you unfamiliar? Because a lot of people are just unfamiliar. You're just like, this is not, I'm not familiar with this. I'm not familiar with Jeff. You're saying, God wants to talk to me every day. He wants to speak to me. I can walk in his presence. There's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to empower me when I don't know what to say. I can come to God. He wants me to worship him, even in an open posture. That's so new to me. It's unfamiliar. So I would encourage you to go on a journey like I did. Search the scriptures. Begin to ask God to reveal himself to you to show up in your life. But I want you to understand that my desire for many of you here, here at Milestone is, we want God to be experiential in your life. Because once you are experiencing him, you're not talking from a place of theory. How many of y'all have a bucket list in your life? most, Most people have, man, I have a few things I wanna do before I die. Well, one of the things that was on my bucket list was I love watching golf on television. I love it. I love watching. I I like the science of the game. I can tell you stats. I can tell you my wife hates it. She's like, but I hate HGTV. So that's it. We got marital issues. We're trying to work it out. Just work with us. But I I love just watching golf. But a friend of mine a few years ago took me, I I mean, one of my, my bucket list items, the Masters, Augusta National. And a friend of mine took me. It's a hard ticket to get. And he took me. And man, we were so pumped up, man. We got up early. He knew the ropes. See, he had experienced it. This is how it is with God, too, a lot of times. He'll give you someone who you trust. Who, who, so he, he told me what to do. And then we got there, and we got in line, and he told me how we walk around the course, and we find our spot, and here's where you sit. And the people are going to come here, and we can see that green, and then we'll get over here, and we'll meet this player. And, man, we just, all day, we just experienced Augusta National. It was a glorious day. The weather was awesome. We enjoyed each other's company. It was a fantastic day. We were the last person to leave the course. We walked out of there like two kids leaving Disneyland. It's like, oh man, that was awesome. Can I tell you something? I watch the masters on television different than people who've never been. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's some good camera work, HDT. It's not like my dad's old Zenith anymore. Y'all know these TVs we got now, it's like, and they play that music and they're showing all the flowers, perfectly manicured grass. Come on. But here's what I watch that other people don't see that have never been there. I know the slopes because I've walked up those fairways. You just see a green deal. I know the slopes. I know the greens. I know how far this is. I know where, because I've experienced it. So much of modern day walk with God, church, whatever you call it, is I know a lot of info, but I haven't crossed many bucket list stuff off with God. Look, experience him. Don't just have a lot of information, have some revelation, have some experiential walk with him. Not that you can just tell me what's in this book, but are you living what's in this book? Experiential. Here's, here's, the, here's the third thing. Is it past or current? I hear a lot of people that are walking through this. It's like, I, this is a, a past story. This is a past of, of thing that happened. Or is there, are there current stories? 
of God's presence in your life, where he met you when you needed him? What's your current experience with God? What's the current things he's saying to you? Not, I remember when God did this. I remember when we prayed and God did this. But, but when, you're, when you know the presence of God is irresistible and it's part of your lives, there's current stories of how he's moving, how he's showing up and doing what only he can do. Here's number four. Observant. Are you, when it comes to the presence of God, are you observant, you observe, or is it participatory? Is it, I'm checking out God and I'm observing this and I'm sitting watching what God's doing, or, or are you a place, in a place where you're participating with God? Which brings me to my final thing and what it means to live it together. I could keep talking about how this is so practical in your life from the moment you wake up to day by day by day, but also part of this series is there's so many new people coming to Milestone, there's so much God's doing here. I believe in this series it's important for me to keep shaping this is who God's called us to be. And when it comes to living it together, living it together, I would say, you say, how do we live it together? Well, we gather I know that today's not even as in vogue. People say, well, I'm into Jesus, but I'm not into gathering, not just in settings like this. We don't just gather. The people gather in China and the underground church in a different way. We gather this way in our context. We gather in small groups. We gather. That's part of the ecclesia, the church. They gather. It denotes some type of structure and a government and authority and relationships. And so we gather. So many people today devalue the gather. Why do we gather? Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together because you provoke one another onto good works. I don't know if it's culturally in vogue or not, but I'm still old school and biblical enough to say that I'm still going to gather with the beloved. I'm going to gather with them. You say, why would we do that, Jeff? We gather and we worship. And the Bible says when we gather where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. There I am. That's something you can't do alone. Well, me and Jesus, me and Jesus got our own thing going. You and Jesus can't produce that. But when I gather with the beloved, when I worship God with his people and with every tribe and tongue and different background, there I am. And there's something about the way, remember, the manifest presence of God shows up in a unique and different way. And so we, we gather together, we worship God, and as I said, I know for some of you this is different, but I want to be very clear for a moment. The heart we've had from day one, and I say this for you because I believe it can impact you, this is not a performance. This is not a show. This is not, our goal is not, man, let's see what they got going today, let's, you know, that's never been the goal. That's observant. Let's see if there's the right information. Participatory is, I'm showing up today to give, to serve, to meet with my God. My prayer for you every single week is that God speaks to you. That God talks to you. That God shows up. I hear people all the time, Pastor, how, do you have a hotline to God? Like, how did you know? You, you were preaching right to me. You were, you, you, no, no, I, I don't know you necessarily, but I know God. And I know the best thing to do, even as I preach, is not just to preach good information, 
but to preach what God's saying to you. And so when we gather, when we gather, I understand. Some of you, even practically, it's like, why do you have that fast song? And I know if people come, I hear people say, well, I don't even like the songs. I'm just waiting for Pastor Jeff to preach, you know? Like, can they get all that, like, pre-show over with? No, no, why do we have a fast song? Because we enter his courts with praise. Why do we start off, we're here to worship you, Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people, and we enter his courts with praise, and you can do that every single day. When I wake up in the morning, you say, well, if you don't feel like it. I wish I felt like it more. I don't always feel like it. It's not based on my feelings. It's based on my choice to worship my God. And so what happens is I walk in tired. I walk in going, hey, God, I need something. And what happens is his presence shows up as I say, God, you are great. You are bigger than my feelings. You are bigger than what I'm facing. So we enter his courts with praise. And then we worship him. And as we worship him, as we love him, you say, Pastor, are you saying I have to do a certain thing? Or ha-? No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being participatory in your relationship with God in every setting. God, here I am. Here I am. This is me. This is not I'm watching them and I'm out of the picture. You're a part of what God's wanting to do even when we gather to worship. You say, Pastor, what happens in that? Some people say, man, you know, if we get too excited, we may run the atheist off. Now, the Bible says, sing to the Lord a new song, and many will see and fear and put their trust in God. Authentic worship draws lost people to God because they see us authentically. Now, weird, eccentric, religious things that are out of the box can run people away from God, but an authentic heart of worship, people that don't know God go, why are they so sincerely in love with him? And so what happens is in those settings, God speaks to people and changes people before sometimes I ever preach. I'm going to show you three before I pray for you. I think back to a lot of stories. One right here is Corey. We showed him. He's Dallas, ex-Dallas Cowboy lineman, and he had a lot of pain. He had a nephew that had passed away, and he was mad at God. And he showed up at church by his words, bowed up. He said, I was bowed up. You know, God will melt the heart of somebody bowed up. And it was in worship that while we were singing, he saw a vision of his nephew in heaven. And he said, if Evan, my nephew's in heaven, I want to be in heaven too. That's a dynamic encounter with the presence of God that changed his life forever. And now he's in our internship and he's leading and God has transformed his life. We told you the story of Tom recently. The guy has a lot of success and career and intellect. And he heard me say when we had prepare, hey, come come to prepare. There's going to be all kinds of barriers. You say, what is prepare? We'll have it at the first of the year where we fast and we pray and we get in the presence of God and we seek God for several days. And he, he had never been anything like that. And he came and in his first encounter in a prayer meeting where he had not been really in, in a setting like that, God showed up and changed his life and he gave his life to Christ. And now he's leading a small group. And here's a guy I met this week, Daniel. He's from Puerto Rico, been here for five years. He's on our Spanish translation team where we're starting now to, to give people that are Spanish speakers an opportunity to hear the message during the services. And he, he produces the Telemundo and the NBC5 station here in Dallas. He's a very gifted young guy. I'd never met him. And he said, I said, how, Daniel, how did you come to Milestone? I'm talking about just the practical stuff. So you see, we believe God's presence and God's power can do a lot more sometimes than our programs and our plans. 
because we pray for people every week, because we're praying for God to show up. He's driving by the old building and he sees the sign and he feels God's impression. He said, I didn't know all the churches in this area. I drove by, I saw the sign and I felt God speak to me about it. So I filed it away. He and his wife started praying about getting in a church and getting connected. And God brought back to remembrance that moment where he spoke to him. And so I just show you these stories to say, you, your kids, your grandkids, your friends, and yes, you yourself can be changed in one moment in his presence. Are you open or closed? Are you experiential? Are you participatory? Are you willing? Are you open? If you are, God can meet you there. I'm asking you to bow your heads with me. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 